So welcome to the Friday night inner space talk. Our talk tonight is tips for a better tips for better teamwork. I think the question I have had to ask myself when I first started working in teams rather than working on my own um, in a in a in workspace was do I aspire to be the best in the team or do I aspire to be the, do I aspire the best for the team, you know? And so we've asked our speaker to explore two things with us in particular, working together and not against each other and to how to become a better team player without feeling like you're losing your self-worth or your self-esteem or having to step back how does that work? Secondly, how to build an effective, collaborative, happy teamwork culture. And um, David earlier was telling me that he now works with everybody. He has the opportunity of supporting everybody in his working environment. So David um, is joining us from Washington, DC. He currently works for the Deputy Mayor of Washington, D.C., and has served in the past four administrations. David will be speaking for 40 minutes, and then following that, he will do a short meditation, and then he will take your questions. We invite you to post your questions to us via the question and answer link or via the chat if you can't find the link itself. Um, David, thank you. Over to you. Thank you, Artie. Um, I, I love the way you framed uh, the, the topic today. Um, because often when we talk about, uh, when we look at how a team can be better, we often look outside ourselves. We're looking, well, this one needs to do this, or that one needs to do that. But who do we really have the most control over? It's ourselves. And isn't it a more practical question to ask ourselves, what can I do to make the team more powerful, better team? You know, I think if we asked, if I was to ask you, what makes a great team? I bet all of you could, could give some wonderful answers. Like, I'm, I'm sure I would hear cooperation, respect, good communication. And, and if I asked you, what are the obstacles to great teamwork? Um, you offer things like ego and conflict. You know. So the question isn't so much what makes a team great or what gets in the way of a team's success, it's how do I empower those things? that make a team successful? And how do I move beyond and let go of the things that are obstacles to the team's success? And for me, I think the greatest lesson is that needs to start with me. How can I bring that change? How can I bring more cooperation and more respect 
better communication to a team? How can I empower that? How can I check that I'm not operating out of my own ego? How can I help to resolve conflicts in a team? And it starts with looking inward. You know, I think one of the biggest challenges to many teams' success is the tendency that we have nowadays just to look at each other's weaknesses and look at what's wrong. We have whole cultures that are, we have TV shows that are based on looking at each other's weaknesses. And we may think that we are empowering ourselves when we do that but we're not. We're actually undermining ourselves when we're looking at someone's weaknesses. We're actually imbibing those weaknesses ourselves. And so when I catch myself looking at someone's weaknesses, what can I do? You know, first of all, I can accept that my mind went there, but then instead of feeding that thought, and say, oh, she's like this. She has so much ego. She always wants things her way, blah, 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 blah. Or he always is like this. Instead of doing that, I can accept that my mind went there and ask myself about that person. Okay, my mind went there, but what do I appreciate about them? And why am I doing this? I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for myself. Because when I am imbibing and thinking about their weaknesses, I am disempowering myself. But when I'm appreciating, I'm using a beautiful quality within me. You know, I think one of the secrets to a great team, to being part of a great team, to bringing my best qualities to a team, to empowering a team, is to have what I call a loving intellect. An intellect that thinks from a place of love. You know, if I asked you to stand out on the street and interview passersby and ask them what they want most in life, what's their deepest desire? The very essence of what they want most you'd hear very different and you'd hear some answer, different answers. Some might give material answers. They might say, well, I want a great relationship or I want um, uh, financial security or I want a rewarding career. But if you drilled it down with them, it probably would be in its essence about two things, about being happy and being peaceful. You know, people want happiness and they want peace of mind. And I think if you drill it down even deeper, what we really want at our essence is the experience of love. Of love in the form of unconditional love and not, not love the way we often use that term. You know, often when we say, I love something, we're talking about attachment and not love. You know, you might say, I love my car. 
okay. But if someone scratches that car or the car won't start or you run into the back of someone else's car, <laughs> that love sort of goes out the window. So that's not really love, that's attachment. We're deriving happiness from that car on certain conditions. You might say that you love what we call French fries, what you call chips there. You love chips. And then you, what you're really saying is you take happiness from them. And, but if the chips are soggy or they're cold, you know, that happiness is gone. That's not really love, that's attachment. Love is something else. Love is respect. Love is regard. Love is appreciation. Love is understanding. Love is compassion. Love is patience. This is love. And I think at our essence, what we are all looking for is the experience of those qualities. And here's the deep secret. The deep secret is we can have that experience at any moment, at any second, by being that ourselves, by being that ourselves. When we think from a place of respect, and when we interact with the world from a place of respect and regard, appreciation, cooperation, understanding, patience, who's the first one to experience those qualities? I am. I am. Others may receive, feel the benefit of that, but I feel it first. And so understanding that empowers me. Keeping that in my awareness empowers me to pay attention to what's at the foundation of my thinking. Am I thinking from respect and regard? Am I thinking from a place of cooperation? or a place of ego? Am I thinking from a place of patience? Or am I thinking from what the next task is? Am I thinking from a place of understanding and compassion? When I communicate, am I expressing my view, but more importantly, am I seeking to understand and listen and hear the other point of view. And when I do that, I'm using that quality of love and I'm serving myself, I'm fulfilling my deepest desire. And so if I can keep that in my awareness, I can use that to empower the whole team. If I can keep that in my awareness, it's easier for me to show respect to my teammates, to give regard, to listen, to show patience. So you may say, well, you know, what do you do if someone on your team 
is uh, has a different point of view or is very aggressive and maybe belligerent. How do you deal with them? And I would say again, with a loving intellect, first of all, make sure that you are showing them respect. Secondly, seek to understand their perspective. Having a loving intellect doesn't mean that you can't have a difference of opinion with someone. But it does mean that you pay attention not to let their perspective, their demeanor, affect your thinking in a negative way. And that requires attention and power. And to me, this is why um, I think it's so important to talk about meditation in context of, of, of teamwork. Because meditation for me has been such a wonderful tool for me to empower that, that loving intellect, to, to help me to keep thinking from a place of respect and regard and appreciation and understanding. When I'm, and, and it does that in many different ways. One, first of all, when we meditate, we are turning our attention inward and we're focusing. And through that focus, we are by very, the very nature of that, when we do that on a regular basis, we are, we are empowering our inner attention to our thinking. So how often do we think about what we're thinking? Probably not very often. You know, we have the thought, but we are, are we paying attention to that thought and paying attention to how that thought affects our feelings? Yeah. And with meditation, we are by very naturally learning to pay attention to our thinking. But meditation does other things too. It connects us with an awareness of the truth of each of us. Connects us with an awareness of the beautiful qualities within me and allows me to set an intention to use those qualities throughout the day. When we reg meditate regularly, we can have that, we can set that attention. So not only are we paying attention to where our thinking is, but we are setting the intention to use the best part of me. And this takes practice. Yeah. It, it takes practice and we can practice in all kinds of situations. We can practice using um, our using our beautiful qualities in, in even the most everyday situations, especially the easy ones. You know, if you're at a store at a checkout counter and 
you're interacting with the person behind the desk there. You don't really even know that. And ask yourself, are you interacting with them with patience, with respect, with appreciation, with understanding? This is an easy opportunity to practice using this quality. So we shouldn't miss those opportunities. This will empower us to be in our, empower us and our work teams by practicing those qualities. But, you know, when you think about it, um, we're all part of a larger team here on this planet. And any tools that we can use for better teamwork can be applied very much on our own global scale and on an even smaller scale too. Our families, our friends, are all part of a team too. And we can use these skills of teamwork in those situations as well. So what about the situation, you know, where someone knows just how to push your buttons? You're in a team and someone is abusive in that team. How can you how can you move past that situation? How can you make better of that situation? You know, the instinct if someone bullies you or disrespects you is to, to give you back, give them back the same sort of thing. You know, I can say for myself that something that's a, that's a, 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 um, a button for me is, if someone, if I don't get, if I don't receive appreciation, if someone doesn't appreciate what, what, I, what I've contributed. And I often find myself that, um, find myself uh, um, I can find myself hurt or um, uh, feeling sad if I don't get that or feeling disrespected if I don't get that. So what do I do in those situations? Well, first of all, I accept that my thinking went there. Accept what I'm feeling. But also know that what the other person is doing really is about them and not so much about me. And if I allow that to trigger anger for me, if I allow what they're doing to trigger anger for me, I'm actually disempowering myself. So although I may feel hurt, I may feel angry, I can accept that that feeling is there, but know that I can make a choice not to feed it, not to give it any more fuel. And what's the fuel that I give it? give it more thoughts. I don't want to give it more thoughts. And so the way I can begin to transform that is by changing my thinking. If someone is abusive towards me, I can seek to understand their perspective. I can tell them if I, I can certainly say that um, without being, um, being negative towards them, I can say that, that um, uh, 
when you say that, or when you do that, this is how I feel. And I don't want to feel that way. And I don't think you want me to feel that way either. So can we work on this together and move forward from it? I think that would be a loving response to that situation. So, but it takes power to do that. And for me, the big secret has been um, using meditation as a tool to do that. And meditation, not as something that we do in, in response to a situation, but something we do as a daily preparation to build our strength, the strength of being a master of my own thinking. And it's something we do um, on a regular basis. Uh, every, uh, for me, it's something I do on a regular basis, if not twice a day, often in the morning, um, early in the morning, and again at home, again when I get home at night. And I can't tell you how much this has helped me to really manage the thoughts that I feed, and, then the, and also to transform the feelings that come from those thoughts. And by doing that, I am supporting those around me as well, because I'm contributing the best of me to any situation. You know, um, Artie was saying that, that um, in my current job, one of the wonderful things for me is that I get to help everyone. Um, in my role right now is to coordinate the information technology for our office. And in the past couple of years, um, that's become increasingly intense with many, many, most of our staff actually working from home. We're just now beginning to go back to the office. And um, often with those many demands, it can become stressful. And some and others may be stressed too because of the circumstances that they're in. And it's behooves me to pay special attention to that so that I'm not feeding that stress either in myself or adding to anyone else's on the team. And I'm not always successful with that. Uh, sometimes when there's many, many requests uh, coming in and when others have many, many different demands, um, I can find that that stress will coming in, coming in, and I can be a little frustrated or a little irritable. So what to do in that situation? Well, number one, accept that that's what I'm feeling. That's important. Acceptance to me is one of the greatest acts of love that I accept how I'm feeling. You know, um, let me just say this, that any feeling that we have, any thought that we have has a right to be there. Any thought that you have, any thought that they have, any feeling that I have, that you have, that anyone has, has a right to be there because where do our feelings and thoughts come from? They come from our experience. And our experience is our experience. So 
our thoughts and feelings have a right to be there. Now the question to ask, and the question to especially ask of ourselves though, do those thoughts, are those thoughts and feelings serving me? And if those thoughts and feelings are supporting negativity, they're not serving me. Negative thinking is not serving me. Negative feelings, are not serving me other than to show me that there's something I need to let go of. So if I find myself irritated in a team situation, I can understand that that feeling has a right to be there because it's calm from my experience, but also understand that that irritation is not serving and I can take steps to transform it. And I can transform it by not feeding it more thoughts that just empower that frustration or irritation. You know? So what are those thoughts? Like, oh, I have so much to do. This person has no patience. This person always asks for things. Um, and, and always wants them right away. I can have all these kind of thoughts about someone else, but are they really serving me? Because they're, they're fueling that negative thinking and fueling those negative feelings. And that's disempowering me, um, getting in the way of my happiness. It's not them, it's the thoughts that I'm feeding to get in the way of my happiness. So I can make a choice to not feed those thoughts and to actually transform those thoughts with a different thought. How do you transform a thought? By introducing a new thought. And in the case, this particular situation, if I'm frustrated because there's too many things to do, I can transform that thought by understanding that um, it's wonderful that, that um, so many want my assistance, <laughs> or I could transform that thought by saying that to myself that, you know, I will, I will take care of these things um, one at a time um, as they come. And un I can also have the thought under to understand others' frustration that, um, and show them recognition of, of an understanding and compassion in their frustration too. Good. Um, this, this tool has helped me a lot. And um, especially in the job that I'm doing now. The, I feel very fortunate that I'm, I'm able to work with everybody in my office. Many people who work there just work with one or two other people, but um, I have the, um, the fortune to work with everyone there. And for me, that is a real fortune because I have the opportunity to use the beautiful qualities that are in me and experience the beautiful qualities in everyone else um, that much more. Uh, every opportunity I have to work with someone 
is an opportunity for me to experience the love, the respect, the regard, the appreciation, the understanding, the compassion that I am connected to and that I can use and experience by using those qualities. Um, RT, if you could come, uh, if you can come back, um, I I know that we we have like ten more minutes of discussion, and I can go on, mm -hmm. but um, I could also start to answer some questions too, if there are some there. What do you think? I think if you wouldn't mind sharing for another ten minutes, it's usually in the last bit that people come back okay. with questions. Thank okay. you. All right. Good. Um, so. I began by talking about um, how do we um, move, how do we empower the qualities of cooperation and respect and communication, and how do we move past ego and conflict? I would, would venture to say that many of you would point out ego and personal conflicts as one of the biggest obstacles in any team. And it's often can be hard to keep going, especially um, if someone else on a team is really nasty or, um, or can be particularly abusive. So what do you do in that, in that situation? Well, what is, what, what's often the reaction to that? Um, you know, we could, we often respond to someone's abuse by hurling abuse back at them or hurling anger back at them. Or maybe if we're a different kind of personality, we might just withdraw and then stew on those hurt feelings and just feed and nurture those, those hurt feelings because of what the other did. But I would ask you, is that empowering yourself. And ultimately, it's, is it empowering the team? And I would say no, neither of those responses is going to do that. So I think what's so important here is showing that, making sure that in our interaction with even abusive team members, we are showing respect. And we don't let our opinion or perspective cloud our ability to listen. I'm not saying that what they're not what they're doing is wrong, is is not wrong. Um, but I will say that just giving back more of the same of what they do is not going to move myself forward or the team forward. Um, so I'll give you an example, you know, let's say you're at the office, you're at an office and you're the manager of a team and you find that one of your coworkers is not, is coming to work late and not really participating in the team. So you could try and control that and manage that 
by getting angry at them. But, and you may find that the employee starts to come to work on time. But you may also find that they come to work on time when you're there. And when you're not there, it's a different story. So using anger as a way to control someone else is not a very sustainable solution because it, um, it takes a lot of energy and it also destroys relationships. It undermines relationships. You may find that the employee that you used anger to, 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 to get them to come to work on time um, comes to work on time, but they do just what they need to do. They're not gonna do anything more because the relationship has been damaged. Now, there is a different way. You know, the employee that comes to work late, um, you could say, you know, I've noticed that you've been coming to work late and I, I wanted to talk to you about that. I, I wanted to know, is there anything we should know about why you've been coming to work late? And is there anything we can do to support you um, to be here, to be at work on time? Um, and because maybe there is a reason why they've been coming to work that you should know about. Or maybe there's something you can do that will help them get to work on time. Um, but you can also share too that, you know, and I also want you to know that, that we, we need to fix this situation because when you come to work uh, late, it puts more a burden on the rest of the team. Um, so it's very important for you to be at work on time. And that is a loving response that's showing respect for the employee. And um, it's, you'll find that it's not going to degrade the relationship the way yelling at them might. Um, and it's offering you know, support um, to help them find a solution. This works in all kinds of relationships too. You know, it's, it's in any relationship, it's important to be able to tell the others um, if something they're doing does affect you negatively, but to offer, you know, to help us find a solution um, where you can change that. So um, I, I think that it's uh, especially important um, to not try and use, to respond to uh, someone who's abusive or uncooperative um, by giving them the same. Um, I don't think that that really empowers the team or empowers yourself. Um, now, um, you know, in, in, the, in the example of, of the employee, there are consequences to everyone's behavior. And so if you had an employee that was coming to work late, you can share with them what I just shared, but then you can also share to them, you know, that it's important that we find a solution because we, we need, um, uh, it puts too much burden on the team if people are not, if, the, if you are not, if the team is not here on time. And um, we could, and if we can't find a solution, if we can't correct the situation, I'm not sure that you 
opinion that you can continue to work here. Um, you know, I'm not sure you could continue to be part of the team. Um, those are consequences, but it's not as a, it's not done in a negative or punishing way. It's done in a practical way. And I think that's a big difference. Yeah. RT, you're back. I am. I'm wondering if you'd like to, when you've finished your um, stretch. No, I think let's have some questions. Uh, well, actually, would you mind doing the meditation first? Certainly. Thank Certainly. you. So um, some of you may have done some meditation before, and some of you may have not. Um, for those of you who haven't, you know, meditation is not something mysterious. It's something very practical. And it's simply, it's simply turning our attention inward and focusing and observing. And if you're gonna focus and observe, especially when you're first starting meditation, it's nice to have something to focus on. And many times when we're learning to meditate, we can use our breath as that focal point. So it's something very readily available, something very neutral. So I like to invite all of you to just take a nice deep breath and to let it out. And another deep breath and let it out. And with each breath in, let me observe the air filling my lungs. And then exiting through my mouth and nose. Just observing my breath. And as I observe my breath, other thoughts might come. Thoughts like, am I doing this right? <laughs> or maybe thoughts about something that happened this morning or something I have to do later today. And guess what? That's okay. I can observe those thoughts as well. And then turn my attention back to my breath. Just observing my breath. Observing any thoughts that come accepting that those thoughts are there, but turning my attention back to my breath. And as I observe my breath, I may become aware of a stillness that's there in the background. Not a stillness I need to create, It's a stillness I can discover, a stillness that's always there waiting for me 
to discover. And in this silent observation of my breath, I can be aware of that state. And from that place of stillness, I take my attention to the center of my forehead and visualize there a tiny point of light sparkling in the center of my forehead. Within that point of light is the essence of me and everything beautiful within me. Within that point of light is a place of peace. A peace that's always with me that I need and just be aware of. And from that place of peace, I'm aware of the abundance of love that I'm connected. constant love, an eternal love, a divine love, a love that is always there for me, a love that I can use and share, it never diminishes when I use it. Its abundance is always there for me to tap into. And from the awareness of that love, I take my attention to the source of that love. And through that source, I understand my connection to every other being. Or it's that thread of love that connects each one of us. And as I bring my attention back to the room around me, I keep the awareness of that connection at the front of my mind. Om Shanti, Om Shanti. Say this with me one time, Om Shanti. You know what this means? Om can be defined as the sound of the universe, that sound of the energy in the universe, but it also has a simpler meaning, simply I am. And Shanti means peace. And so when we say Om Shanti, we are affirming the truth of each one of us. At my core, I am this peaceful being. Arti, you back. I am, thank you. That was beautiful. Um, the questions have come in, so let me begin. How do you deal with a colleague 
who is doing their best, but keeps forgetting a lot of things that need to be done. You ask them to hand over some of those tasks, but they're too proud. And as a result, the forgetting keeps going on. Wow. Wow. This can be a really challenging situation. And, and you know what? Um, the, it's, I can identify with that, um, with that particular situation myself, where I'm the one who's been forgetting at times. As we get older, <laughs> we might not remember as much as we used to. Um, so how do you, um, how do you deal with that, with that, with a particular, with, with that individual, still with um, helping them to maintain their self-respect and, but also make sure that the, the work that's supposed to get done gets done. Um, the, um, and I can tell you how some of my, my team colleagues have helped me. <laughs> um, we've, do we do a master checklist for the whole team that we're all checking on, which makes sure that our roles are all clearly defined and that all the tasks that we are, we are supposed to do are clearly defined. So none of us can go, can, um, can say that we didn't know, you know, and it's easy checking point so that um, I, I can, from my, in my particular case, so I can go and see the things that I need to get done. Um, so that, that's a very useful tool. Um, and I, I must tell you that um, I have to a lot, offer a lot of appreciation to my colleagues um, because sometimes I do forget. Um, and when I do that, what I really appreciate about them is they make special effort not to um, not to let that effect, feed negative thoughts about me. Um, and so I've used that as a lesson for myself and to make sure that I'm doing the same. And whether it's forgetting or um, or doing something incorrectly, that I'm not, I'm paying special attention not to, to let that color my opinion of that person. Certainly we need to be aware of what each other's strengths and weaknesses are and know that what each one, each, each one's challenges are. But when that becomes, um, what we need to be careful of is that we don't let that color our negative thing affect us such that we have negative thinking about that individual. Because um, I don't think that's gonna help the situation at all. So I would say, find the tools that help the whole team um, to keep on track with what needs to be done and make sure that we all have access to those. Um, and just make sure that I'm not feeding negative thinking about another colleague. Which actually, really helpful there, but which actually takes us into the next question. And the person is saying that they've had the opportunity of working with many teams through their career. And they've seen that in certain teams, there are people who are much more influential and speak out more. And in some cases, 
in a negative way. And what they're doing is bringing out the worst in the rest of the team or other members of the team, if not the rest. So how do you counteract that type of culture without pointing a finger? Yeah, um, I think the number one thing we have to do is to make sure that um, we're, we're not responding to that with the same. Um, so this is, and I think that's a trap that we often get into in, in the team. I know I've found, I've found myself doing that. Um, that um, someone might have a lot of negative comments. And so um, I, if I don't pay attention to myself, I can end up responding to what they're doing um, in a negative way. Um, it can be a very challenging situation. And I think what helps is, is to, to build the culture of respect and cooperation from the start. Um, and um, I think that also a way to, um, uh, to address um, someone's negative comments is, is to explore them and to seek to understand them. And to invite them to, to elaborate on that um, and to ask them specific questions about it. You know, I will say that um, when I was working on the re redevelopment of the, of the Anacostia waterfront, part of my role um, was to do the community engagement. And we engaged like 5,000 citizens on creating the vision for how the, the waterfront would be re revitalized. And as you can imagine, um, there were many, many points of view. And there were many people who weren't unhappy about this, who were unhappy about this or that, or, and, and a wide variety of things. And um, in that situation, um, it's very important that we acknowledge and, um, and seek to understand what they're saying. And I think that acknowledgement is very much an important thing. We should, shouldn't try and dismiss their, um, their perspective um, or undermine their perspective um, or be defensive about what they share, um, but to understand and um, ask them, you know, ask about what the solution might be. I think that's a very, very, um, that's a way to really transform that. Um, if someone presents something negative, you know, ask them about, well, what do you think would be, um, what would be a good resolution to that? How do you think we could change that? Or how do we think we could correct that? Um, I think it's a, it's a very, very powerful tool to begin to transform that. It shows that they're respected and that we're seeking to understand them. And maybe actually they do have some good ideas that could be um, useful for the whole team. Arti? Yes, thank you. That was interesting. Um, the next question is, are there any examples in your personal life that you wouldn't mind sharing where you've used the quality of your thoughts to um, transform a situation um, uh, or a communication? Yeah, and um, I, I can think of um, some very specific ones. Um, you know, early on um, in when I first um, joined the mayor's office, 
um, without getting into this, the, the specifics, because that will overwhelm everything. But um, I was at the very, I was at the center of, of a big controversy. And um, the many people would say that I was in the right. Um, but instead of taking that route, um, I sought to really understand the other person's view and to acknowledge their view and to, to, to even offer how I should have changed, how I could change the situation, what I could do to make the situation better, even though many people said that I did nothing wrong. Um, and I actually felt that, that, that they were right, that I, I could have done something, I could have done things differently. And by taking that perspective, um, it really neutralized so much. Um, and the and what speaks to it is I'm still there 20 years later. So I think it's very, very important to really try and understand others' perspectives, um, especially when there's a conflict. Thank you. Um, how do you deal with a manager who is not approachable, who has mood changes, who's not easy to talk to, and can yell at you at any moment? How do you keep the res how do you maintain respect um, for each other during such communications? Yeah. So I will tell you that. Um, I had a boss one time. So um, the, the, I'm sure many of you saw this movie, The Devil Wears Prada. And the, I had a boss one time and the nickname that the whole staff had for her was The Devil Wears Prada. Because, and I'm sure it would have been the same, same if, we, if it had been a man in that situation. But um, she could often be very um, dismissive, um, not very respectful or understanding um, of anyone, and especially to other female employees, I found. Um, but her assistant um, was, uh, was on vacation. And so someone had to step into the role of assisting her. And because I had had experience in doing that before, um, it was, I was tasked with that and I was a little bit dreading it. But I said you know, to myself, you know, I've got to approach this differently. And so working closely with her, I really came to understand the stresses and challenges that she was dealing with. And not that I really said much about that, but just the, the way that that changed my thinking, which obviously is gonna inform the way I interact too, really began to transform my relationship with her. And the amazing thing, it transformed the way that she was interacting with me and not just me, it transformed the way that she was interacting 
with everyone else. And so uh, I'm not saying this will work with everyone, um, but to know that the way they're behaving is really about them. And maybe if I can bring a little wisdom to understand their situation and maybe what's at the root of that stress and not really say anything to them, but just let that color my perspective, um, that alone might begin to change the situation. Yeah, yeah empathy really does play a role, um, yeah. a big role in changing our vision, but also it enables us to um, really feel another person's place yeah. with, without needing patience almost. Um, yes. That's a very interesting way approach. Thank you. Okay, next question. I am a member of a board on a non-profit organization. This is the first time I'm working in a way where a team, where the team has to consider a request, organize to meet and put the request to the board, who will then hopefully vote to take the decision and move the project or the request forward. How can I recognize deeper spiritual significances apart from the obvious uh, patient detachment, etc., for self-growth when I feel more frustrated than fulfilled? I understand. Wow. wow. I understand. I, I really see what you're saying there. Um, I, I can tell you what's helped me in that regard sometimes is, is really sort of transforming my perspective on what my job is. Because my, my, you know, we can think about our job in terms of tasks and, and physical goals. Um, but what is my job really? And what's helped me is to understand that my job really is to be loving. My job is to be respectful. My job is to give regard, to give appreciation, to be compassionate and understanding. Yes, there are specific tasks that I need to do, but they're just the tasks. My real job is what I just mentioned. And for me, there really is nothing that could be more fulfilling than that. Because if we go back to what we were talking about earlier, what is it that we really want? What is it we really want? Happiness, peace. But I think at the foundation of that, what we really want is that experience of love. And we can experience love at any moment by being loving. Being loving in the form of respect and regard and appreciation, understanding, compassion, patience, cooperation. When I'm doing that, I am fulfilling my deepest desire. And also I'm powerful when I do that. You know, I find that I get so much more done if I'm thinking from that place. 
if I'm thinking about just the tasks, I find that it can be really challenging at times. But if I am paying attention to what's at the foundation of my thinking, things seem to flow. And for me, that's been a big difference. It's something I'm still working on a lot. You know, I'll tell you that I'm someone who likes to do a lot of planning. I used to like writing lists of things to do and all that. And then I said, well, that's fine. But what I come to, came to realize is that planning is um, making lists and goals and all that is only useful to the extent that it, it informs your decision on what you do at this moment. And if it just takes your intellect away from what you're doing at this moment, it's not really helping. And I've often spent too much of my time thinking about what I have to do and not really about what I'm doing. And a list of what I have to do is useful to the extent that it informs what I'm doing right now and to keep that in my perspective. Thank you. You've spoken a lot about love and having you mentioned a new term to us, a loving intellect. Um, and it looks like it's something you've really cultivated because that you have that presence for yourself. Um, what would be the most three most important steps to start cultivating that for myself from today? Yeah, well, number one, I would say, begin a regular practice of meditation. Um, uh, nothing could be more important than training your mind to pay attention to your thinking and setting the intention to use what's beautiful within you, to use that beautiful loving part of you and to be aware of that loving part of you than a regular practice of meditation. Um, number one. Um, the second, um, practice using it. And don't miss the little opportunities. You know, that how often, um, you know, every opportunity that we have to say hello or greet someone who we pass by is an opportunity to use and experience that beautiful part of ourselves. So don't miss those opportunities. Um, and third is practice is recognize that um, that my thoughts and feelings have a right to be there. They've come from my experience. So I can accept what I'm feeling. But I don't have to feed what I'm feeling if it's a feeling that's not serving me. I can make, make a choice to an active choice to feed a different thought and thereby begin to transform that feeling. So those are the three things I would do. Thank you very, very much um, for sharing and answering our questions. We have come to the end of our evening and we've run over. So thank you for making that time with us, um, David. I just need to make a few announcements. Firstly, I'd like to share with you 
um, the product we would like to highlight for you. And it's vanished on me just a moment. Here we are. And the book is called Liberating Leadership. It is a book that's been written by Mike George. And the book explores how to lead from the inside out, um, very much exploring the ideas that you've been introducing to us, David, um, so that we dissolve misplaced ambitions, stop self-sabotaging our well-being and, your and our character, and create your own leadership journey. Um, it's £9.99, and you're very welcome to pop into Inner Space to have a look at it, along with a number of other books and music and cards, or come and use the quiet room when you are at Inner Space, just to have some space for yourself. And the beautiful thing about the quiet room is that it's a space that we all meditate in. So it's kind of built up a momentum and you can go in and just go with the flow and go and meditate there. So something to support your meditation. So the book is £9.99 if you visit us at Inner Space. If for some reason you're unable, unable to join us, um, we'll put it in the post. So it's £9.99 plus post and package. Just drop us an email at info at innerspace.org.uk and we'll be able to help you make an online payment. So that was the product that we wanted to share with you. Um, next week's speaker is um, Car Caroline Vetter and she's going to be speaking on Be a Successful Optimist. And that's on Friday, the 25th of February. Um, it's one thing to be an optimist. It's another thing to be successful, get results, or the results that you want in your life. So that's Friday, the 25th of February. Between now and next Friday, there are two seminars. Stress less, relax more. And that is on Tuesday, coming Tuesday, the 22nd of February at 6 p.m. On Thursday, the 24th of February, we have Making Gratitude a Habit. Um, I also want to take this opportunity to say that um, from March, every Thursday, there's going, not every Thursday, but on Thursday evenings, there will be in-person events at Inner Space, either a meditation or a seminar. So you're very welcome to go online and under the menu bar, you'll see in-person events, so do register. In the meantime, and we'll be continuing, are the online meditations. The daily lunchtime meditation, Monday to Sunday, 20 minutes, or a morning meditation that sets your tone for the day. That's Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Um, You'll also be able to do lunchtime meditations in 